You are listening to a sermon from the pulpit of Camden First Church of the Nazarene in Camden, South Carolina. We are located at 2276 Jefferson Davis Highway, and you are invited to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. Thank you for visiting CamdenFirstChurch.org. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, what is printed in your bulletin is not what I'll be preaching. Um, this is the second time I've done this since I've your pastor, and, and, and I don't normally do it, but I told Casey last night, I just, around Thursday, I just, I just felt impressed. I, I was looking at my preaching calendar, um, and I knew that I'll be, gone, I'll be gone next week, so tell everybody, they can, tell everybody, you know, they can come next week, I won't be here. Um, they ain't got to hear me preach next week. Um, I, I won't be here next week. The following week, we begin our marriage and family sermon series, and then after that, we move into uh, to Ashes of Fire. And so I was looking at my preaching calendar, and I just, I just felt impressed that it's going to be a while before I'm really able just to, to offer just a, a solid, simple, plain explanation of salvation. I, I, you know, I, I, I just looked, at it and the Holy Spirit impressed upon me that, you know, last week you talked about stewardship. And I felt like that I communicated all that needed to be communicated about stewardship last week. And, and, and I, I just I didn't feel the need that, that we needed to go on any further. So the Holy Spirit directed me to here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. From now on, therefore, we, reg- we, re- we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though, we were wa- even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Turn to your neighbor and say, new creation. A new creation. I love that verse. I love that. that. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything Old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. God did not count our trespasses against him. God did not count our trespasses against us. Now, for some reason, and God doesn't hold our trespasses against us, but we do a good job of holding each other's trespasses against each other, don't we? We are a new creation. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's continue. I'm in rare form this morning. You're going to see a different side of me you haven't seen in a while, or you've probably never seen. So, <clears throat> Verse 20. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become 
The righteousness of God. Not look like the righteousness of God. Not Christ standing in front of us. And when God looks at us, he sees righteousness. But we become the righteousness of God. We become a new creation. Do you guys want to be new? Do you guys want to be a new creation this morning? This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Reconciliation. What does that mean? In in short, it means to be made right or or things to to be how they were originally intended to be. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world, a a world that is full of mishaps and mistakes on a daily basis. Not a day goes by that, that we, even in our jobs, we spend time fixing mistakes. I worked for Palmetto Health for three years. And I had a big fancy title, uh, patient financial representative. In short, that means I just fix people's mistakes. I was a mistake fixer. Uh, our, the abillers at the hospital, not saying they made mistakes, but I'm just saying, they would, it would go out and Medicaid would say, no, this thing's full of mistakes. And I would fix them. I think I did. <laughs> I spent my whole day Reconciling. Spent my whole day fixing mistakes. We live in a world where we spend time making things right. We spend time fixing things. Or I hope that we spend time making things right when it comes to relationships. I remember when I got my first driver's license. You guys remember? When I was coming up, you can get a license at 15. And, uh, and you only had to have your permit for two weeks. And then they, they gave you, a, I can't believe they gave me a license. But anyway, they gave me a license. Casey's shaking her head. I'm like, yeah, I can't believe they gave him one. I was working at the campground. Some of you may have heard this story. Working at the campground at, in Batesburg and had my license two weeks. And my brother was, went on a trip with mom. So his car was going to be at the house for, for a while. And I told dad, I said, dad, I, I probably could just drive myself to the campground. It's 50 miles down. Uh, down 178 from Orangeburg. And he kind of had this look like, I shouldn't do this. But he said, okay. And he said, drive your brother's car to the campground, park it, do not move it. You you have no reason to go anywhere. You eat on the campground, you sleep on the campground, you work on the campground. You have no reason to. I said, yeah, I got that. And, well, I was doing good, but Thursday Thursday came around and uh, I got a little antsy. I'd got done with, some, with work early, and um, I figured there's a dirt road that goes behind the softball field at the campground, and I've always wanted to know where that dirt road went. <laughs> Curious minds. Inquiring minds have to know. Um, so I jumped in my brother's car and took a joyride. And I, I, I'm not sure what exactly happened. Uh, I can't really tell you the the next five minutes that happened other than I when I when I came to I was in a ditch with my brother's car. And uh, I don't know if it was like a, a heat exhaustion or what, but uh that's a scary feeling. My dad had told me, do not drive the car anywhere. And I, I, I did. And and I find myself in a ditch. And so I, mean, I, I get out. I'm just like, I'm freaking out. 
And there's this guy in a, in a single wide trailer. He comes running. He said, he said, man, you all right? I said, yeah. Well, he said, Bo, you come flying across that ditch and across that field. And you, <laughs> he said, man, I, I thought you was running Darlington out there in the field. I said, well, I don't remember any of that. I, I, I don't. I had to call my dad and say, I've got an issue. I got an issue. Parents or teenagers, any time you, you, you know, when you get that phone call, it's always worse than what it is. When, when they start kind of like, there's a little, little, little hitch up, little, a little hang, a little hit, hitch up. He said, well, what, what's wrong with that? I said, well, something's wrong with the car. Something's wrong with the car, Dad. And he said, oh, well, I mean, well, well, what do we need to do? I said, well, um, I need you to come pick me up because I wrecked my brother's car. What does that got to do with reconciliation? I had, I had broken my dad's trust. I had to begin a process of, 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 of reconciling that relationship, of, of being able to be trusted again, being able to, to, to know that I will follow orders. <laughs> I will follow direction from, from my parents. See, that, that's, that's where we are. We, we are. we are sinners that need to be reconciled back to God. See, because sin has, has separated, us, separated us from God. It has separated us, separated us from God's original intent, purpose. Throughout the biblical narrative, we see the story of reconciliation unfolding before our eyes. In the beginning, in the beginning of our faith story, we see the process that our Old Testament ancestors had to go through. In order for, for, for our Old Testament ancestors to make reconciliation, they had to come to the temple, they had to offer an animal sacrifice. Certain steps, certain things had to be made, to be made right in order to be reconciled back to God. But thankful, thank, thankfully, we live in a different time. Thankfully, we live in a time where the ultimate price has been paid for our sin. We live in a time where Christ is here. Christ is available to make atonement for our sins. Christ is here dwelling among us, and he's ready to make things right between you and God. I love the way the writer of Hebrews sums it up. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 1 says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Hebrews says, in former days, God spoke to us by the prophets. But in these last days, we have Christ available to us. This is what, this is what Paul is talking about. He, we now come to understand that, that, that Jesus is. We understand who Jesus is, why he is here, and his significance to our faith story. From, from here, we, we see in 2 Corinthians and, and, and the Apostle Paul is, is instructing the church how to live reconciled lives. And what reconciled lives look like. Let's unpack the text this morning. Look at verse 16. Look at how Paul looks at the world. 
according to, to 2 Corinthians. Seeing others through the cross. Seeing others in view of the cross. Because of Jesus, no longer do we have to view others from a, from a worldly standpoint. We view people according to the cross. We, we should see the Lord. We should see people as the Lord sees them. This is what the reconciled life looks like. You see, in the first century, it was all about labels. It was all about who you were, whether you were rich, whether you were poor, whether you were male, whether you were female, whether you were Jew, whether you were Gentile. There were all these labels in which people saw you as or saw you through. And Paul says, those who have been reconciled through Christ, you don't see people by those labels, but you see them as God sees them. You see them through the cross. Like Paul we once knew Jesus from a merely worldly point of view. You may say, oh, what are you talking about? Before Paul was Paul, he had a, his name was Saul. Everybody, under, everybody knows this. Saul was the great persecutor of Christians. Saul went, spent his whole life making sure that this, this Christianity was not going to, to be spread. And so Paul, Saul knew of Christ, he, he knew of, of his teaching, but it was not until on the road to Damascus that Saul has this encounter with God. And God changes his name to Paul. Paul Saul sees the light, he becomes Paul, and he becomes one of the greatest, the greatest missionary of the Christian faith. Saul knew who Christ was, but it was not until he, he became Paul that he fully understand who Jesus was. He understood who Jesus was in terms of Jesus being his Savior. We can say that Jesus was a good man. We can say that he was a good teacher. We can say that, yeah, my grandparents loved him. My, my grandparents went to church. We can, we can say that, yeah, my mom and dad went to church. I grew up in this church. I think I'm okay. We can say all those things, guys, but it's not until you know him as your savior. It's not until you know him as your life sustainer. It's not until you know him as the one who can erase all the guilt from your past that you really understand who Jesus Christ is. The only way you can know who, who really understand who Jesus is. And it's at that moment when you really know Jesus, that you begin to live life to the fullest. Everybody wants to live life to the fullest, right? The world tells you if you want to live life to the fullest, you live for you. You want to live life to the fullest, you fulfill all your desires, all your wants. Well, you may say, well, David, I, I, I follow the Lord and I just, I, don't, I just don't like the way my life has turned out. That's the devil. Putting doubt, putting guilt, putting, uh, putting that seed of doubtfulness in your life. If you want to live life to the fullest, it's a life that understands that Jesus Christ is your life sustainer, your savior, your everything. That, that's, that's what it is to be, to be reconciled. To be reconciled is to be in Christ. Paul vividly portrays his conviction that only in an intimate and personal relationship with the risen Christ may we continually realize the salvation of God. Being made new is to have 
the desire to do new things. Things that are of Christ. If you say that you've that you were saved at one time, if you say that you have received the Lord, but yet you keep on doing the same old thing and you have not got a new appetite, a, a, a desire for new things, for the things of the Lord, then you need to, you need to, to go back and, and, and see what went wrong. Because those who have been reconciled are in Christ. They have been made a new creation, which means... That you should have the desires that God gives you. That you, you should pursue that which God is leading you to. That's what it is to be, to be reconciled. Don't you love telling good news? I love telling good news. I can't keep a secret. I really can't. You can ask Casey. We got mar- when I asked her to marry me, I had the ring. I had it for a couple weeks. And uh, we were at the park one night, and I don't know how it came up, you know, getting married. And uh, I, said, I said, close your eyes. You want to hold something? <laughs> I, I can't keep a secret. She closed her eyes, and I put, I put her engagement ring in her hand. She's like, what's that? I was like, oh, nothing. And I took it back out. I cannot keep a secret because when something good is about to happen, I want to tell everybody about it. I was about to ask this girl to marry me. That's that's great. I I can't keep it to myself. If God has done something new in you, man, you should tell people about it. I've been challenged this week. I I was reading a book by by, um, Casey's, Casey's childhood pastor that she grew up with wrote a book little book, and it's kind of his little life story. And I was just reading how, how he would just come up to people and just say, do you want to know about the greatest thing that changed my life? And he would just walk, and people that he talked with, and he, he would ask them, do you want to know about the single greatest thing that ever happened to me? And he would begin to tell them about how God changed his life. That really convicted me. I've got some good news. I am redeemed. The song says, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Do you love to proclaim it? Well, then tell somebody about it. That's how the church grows. I, I've said this before. The church doesn't grow by having Easter egg hunts and fall festivals and all that good thing. Well, those are good, and we're going to continue to have them. You want to see a church grow? You see a church full of redeemed people who love to proclaim it. You see people who have received the good news and they want to tell someone about the good news they have received. We're a new creation. Christ is the foundation of reconciliation. In order for us to see others through Christ and be in Christ, God has to reconcile us to himself. In essence, essence, God pursued us. God pursued us. Do you understand that, that image? When sin came into the world, God could have just said, well, we'll just scrap it. I, I don't care. We'll just let, the, we'll just let that, 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 that sphere, just let it turn and just let it do whatever it wants to do. But God saw that sin had entered the world and God pursued us. God sent his son so that there would be a way for there to be reconciliation between creation, us, and God. God pursued us. 
Did you know God is still pursuing you today? God is pursuing you today. God hates sin. God hates sin. I know that's, oh, that's, that sounds so judgmental and it sounds so harsh. But sometimes I just, I've got to speak the truth. And that, that's, that's the reality, guys. Sin is the opposite of holiness. Sin is the opposite of what God is. And so that's the reason that God had to send his son is because God hates sin. God had to, there had to be a way, a, a way for reconciliation to be made. And see, humans were powerless to overcome sin by ourselves. There had to be an advocate who would make atonement for our sins. That advocate was Jesus. That's why Jesus came. To be an advocate to the Father. Jesus goes to the Father and says, I've paid their way. I've made them right in your sight. And then Paul says that we are to be Christ ambassadors. Tell the good news. If you've been reconciled by God, if you've been reconciled through Christ, then tell the good news. Be his ambassador. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone who, who represents certain interests to someone else. The ambassador for the United States to England is someone who represents the USA interests there in the country of, of, of England. It is, we are to be a very representation of God. We are to be the very representation of Christ to others. That's what it is to be his ambassadors. Twenty one. I love this verse. As we wrap it up, God made him who had no sin to be sin so that we might become his righteousness. He made him who had no sin to be sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. Don't think of righteousness as always having to be right or always knowing what to do and always knowing how to do the right thing. While this is important, the goal for all of us, I believe Paul and ultimately God is calling us to something deeper. Understand, because of sin, the relationship between God and us was severed. Because of sin, the relationship between us and the world was severed. Because of sin, the relationship with ourselves has been broken. And God wants to make it right. Becoming the righteousness of God is making right things out of broken relationships. Becoming the righteousness of God is, the, is going from brokenness to wholeness. When we are made right, we are then able to live a victorious life. A life where the chains of sin have been broken. Today's invitation is threefold. If you're here this morning and you've made a commitment to Christ, Christ is your personal Savior, but you feel like you're, you're not making any headway on your Christian journey. 
Perhaps you need to come and experience in Christ that which is called sanctification. The decision in which you offer God all of who you are. There may be some here today who you've, you have experienced sanctification. There has been a time where you have given it all to the Lord. Remember that you need to keep your heart sensitive. Remember that you always need the Holy Spirit to be examining you, to be checking you, to, to be testing you. Sanctification is not a one-time process. It is a one-time decision, but it is an ongoing process of refining. While, 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 the, while God delivers you from sin, He also sets you on a path to where you are in constant refinement by the Holy Spirit, by God's refining fire in your heart. Finally, you may be here today and you have never accepted the Lord as your Savior. You're here this morning and you don't know why you're here. You, you, you just you felt drawn here. You can be reconciled to God. Because Jesus does saves. We, 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 we sang it this morning. Jesus saves. If you're here this morning and there's just a, a void in your life that is that brokenness between you and God. And if you want to make it right, you can make it right by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. And after he saves you from his sins, he will then call you to a life of discipleship. He will then call you to a life to, to take steps to, to, be, to become more like Him every day. God's salvation, it's just, it's just not this one-time experience. While it may be a one-time decision, it's a lifelong calling. The altars are, are always open, and you've been charitable with your time, but I, I don't really think that time needs to be of concern right now. Altars are always open. I'm available to pray with you if you feel like that, that there needs to be something more in your life.